Welcome to the Lake Point Church Weekend Messages Podcast. Thanks for joining us to hear the latest sermons happening at our church. We pray that God speaks to you in a timely way through this message. And if you're encouraged by this podcast, be sure to rate, review, and share it to help get the word out. You can find more digital content to feed your faith and our other podcasts by visiting lakepoint.church/digital. Now, let's tune into the message for today. Great to see you guys this weekend. Thanks for being at Lake Point. Hey, I want to welcome all of our campuses, those of you that are joining us online. Grateful we all get to do this together. Love you all. Grateful for you. Hey, man, it has been a blast for me. Uh, I get to hang out with you all month. I don't get to do that very often, so this has been really fun for me. And the good news is Pastor Josh comes back next weekend, and then we launch into At the Movies the week after that. So, man, it's going to be a, a great ride here, great, great ride coming up. And today is my last weekend uh, for this series, and tonight, I, actually this afternoon, I'm getting on a plane. I'm going on vacation with my family, 34 of us in the same house for a week, <laughs> 19 kids, 15 adults, 12 of those kids are under 10, and then I'll do a vacation after the vacation, so <laughs> please pray for us. No, we're going to, it's a blast. It is so cool to see all these cousins, these little cousins just love each other, and I, I can't wait to get to hang out with our family, so I'm going to be leaving this afternoon to do that. But today, we're going to wrap up this series that we've been calling Live No Lies. So we, we've been talking about how uh, we do have an enemy, and Jesus called him the father of lies, and what he wants to do is to hack into your soul and mine and just wreak havoc with our identity. He knows if he can pull us away from God, then we'll never get to know the truth about God about, and the truth about what God says about us. And so we'll just spend our lives just chasing and living lies. Lies such as, I am what I feel. We talked about that in week one. How when you and I just follow our heart, when we just follow our impulses or our hormones or our appetites, if, if we just do the trendy, live your own truth, then we end up making some pretty bad trades that leave us empty. Week two, we talked about this lie. I am what people say about me. When we play to the crowd, when we base our worth on what was said or what is said about us, when we let all these cultural messages, we let the bathroom scale, we let a worthless piece of reflective glass define who we are, then we end up in this endless quest for acceptance and security and significance. And we learn in week two that God has said we are already accepted. We're already secure. We're already significant in his eyes. Last weekend, we unpacked the lie that says, I am what I do. What I do and how well I do it, my job, my rank, my position, my title, my stats, my GPA, my portfolio, my performance, and my success, those are the things that define me. And we learn that the truth is that even though God wants us to do our best and he wants us to excel in our own uniqueness, he wants us to succeed at things that really matter. And our worth is not based on what we do, but on what he has already done on a bloodstained cross. And today I want to wrap up the series with this thing. Uh, you know what this is? Yeah, this is the, this is the new iPhone 15. 
coming out this fall. I got a prototype right here. Have you ever played one of, the, one of these things? I probably got one of these when I was eight or nine years old. Uh, they've been around a long time. Now, some people are really good with this stuff, like Buddy the Elf, you know, can do the amazing artwork with the whole, whole Etch-a-Sketch thing. I've never been able to do anything with this except for maybe stairs. You know what I'm talking about? You do stairs all the way up. Maybe you, you might be able to do a mountain range or something like that. You try to do anything else. It's just, I mean, it's just a whole lot of squiggly mess on this thing. This is a really hard thing to do. But you know the awesome thing about this, right? Once you get done, you look at it and go, oh, my goodness. You just go. <laughs> and you start all over again. One of these actually sits on a shelf in my office to remind me that the God of unfailing love does not want me to define myself by my failures. And he wants to give you a fresh start too. And he not only wants to make you a little better, he wants to make you new. In fact, he, he says that this lie, I am what I've done, is one of the most sinister lies of all. You see, there's nothing quite like the past to hack into your soul and wreak havoc with your identity. I mean, the past and the shame that can, ac can accompany that can absolutely paralyze you, can it? And, and I've, I've had a bunch of squiggles in my life. I've had a bunch of bad mistakes and failures. And, and I know I'm not alone. I don't, I don't know what it was for you, but perhaps it was a DUI or maybe it was an affair or maybe a failed marriage or maybe a financial collapse or maybe you cheated and you got caught or maybe you flunked out of school. Or maybe you got kicked out of the house. Maybe you got fired from your job. Maybe, maybe it's the abortion that still haunts you. All kinds of different sexual experiences, perhaps. Or, or maybe you were not only the victim of abuse growing up, but ironically, you kind of turned in to do the same thing. Or maybe your identity for a while was inmate number 34782. Or perhaps you've introduced yourself for the past decade, hello, my name is so-and-so, and I am an alcoholic. Or perhaps for you it was gambling, or it was drugs, or pornography. And what you did, or what happened back then, still defines you today. In fact, if you're honest, at least in your own mind, it's become just who you are. You see, the past can hack deep into your soul and steal your true identity. So I've been praying this week, as hard as I know how, as I have through this entire series, that you might hear God say to you today, you are not defined by your past. You can and should move on to a new day, a new life, and a new identity. In high school, I had to read a, a book called The Telltale Heart by Edgar Allan Poe. Anybody else ever read that creepy book? Uh, in, in, in this very mysterious fashion, Poe paints this main character who has committed murder un, uh, and unable to escape the haunting guilt of his dastardly deed, he begins to hear the heartbeat of his victim who he has buried down in his cellar. And a cold sweat starts to cover him as his thump, 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 thump goes on relentlessly until eventually it drives the man insane. Ultimately, it becomes clear that the pounding that drove the, the guy mad was not in the grave below, but in his own chest. Thump, 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 thump. And so it is with unresolved guilt. Dr. David Belgum, in his book, Guilt, Where Religion and Psychology Meet, estimates that about 75% of the people in hospitals today with physical illness have sickness that is actually rooted in emotional problems. 
He writes this, their physical symptoms and breakdowns are for many their involuntary confessions of guilt. Thump, 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 thump. I may have shown you this before, but my friend Charlie Gerber, who is a brilliant counselor, showed me this one day, a little acrostic that he came up with on guilt. It's been super helpful to me. He says that from God's perspective, guilt is this. It's God's unique, intentional, loving treatment. From God's perspective, it's God's unique, intentional, loving treatment. Because in its purest form, guilt is sort of like that check engine light on the dashboard of your car that lets you know that something not quite right is going on under the hood. God put that emotion in you and me to let us know that we got something in there that we need to pay attention to. But as you might imagine, the original identity thief, he takes what God made for good and distorts it and takes it to the other extreme to hack into our soul. Here's guilt from Satan's perspective. It is grief united and lifelong torment. See how that fits his agenda? To steal, kill, and destroy? Because he loves to see you and me have the past just dominate and define us. He loves to see us take guilt and just bury it deep within, to stay unresolved, thump, 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 because if we never deal with the guilt, it will eventually morph into its sinister cousin called shame. And shame is a whole other level. I saw this the other day and, and, and just went, yes. It says this, if you don't deal with your demons, they go down into the cellar of your soul and start lifting weights. They just do. If you don't deal with it, they just keep getting stronger. Loose Meads describes the difference between guilt and shame this way. He says the difference between guilt and shame is very clear in theory. We feel guilty for what we do. We feel shame for what we are. A person feels guilt for something that he or she did because he or she did something wrong. A person feels shame because he or she is something wrong. You, you might remember this, this dumb joke, but I'm going to tell it again. A little lady walks down the street on her way to work, and she passed by a pet store every day. And there was a parrot in the window. Every time she walked by the pet store, the parrot would say, hey, lady. She'd go, what? You're ugly. She'd go, what? They really offended her, you know. Well, the next day, she's walking down the street on her way to work, walks by the pet store. The parrot in the window says, hey, lady. She goes, What? He goes, you're ugly. She goes, I'm not taking this. She walked in the store and said, I want to see the manager. Manager comes out and said, listen, every time I walk by your store, that stupid bird in the window insults me. I'm not going to take it. You better shut him up. And the manager says, ma'am, I'm so sorry. I promise you, he will never do that again. I'm so sorry. Next day, she's, this is so stupid. Next, <laughs> next, day, next day, she's walking down the street. She walks by the pet store and the parrot goes, hey, lady. She goes, what? He goes, you know. <laughs> Great. <laughs> oh, man. You know, the Bible calls Satan not only the father of lies, but it calls him our accuser. And he doesn't even need to really bring it up, does he? He just goes, you know, you know, come on. You, you, you might hide it from everybody else, but you know. You know who you are, man. You're a loser. You're a drunk. You're an addict, you're a junkie, you're a pervert, you know. You're a failure, you're tainted, you're irreversibly dirty, you, you know. You're so stupid, you're so fat, you're so ugly, you're so lazy, you're so unloved, you're so alone, always have been, always will be, you know. Just face it, that's just who you are. 
And I'm telling you, shame is an extremely dangerous enemy. But you need to know this. Shame also has a dangerous enemy. It's called grace. See, shame tells me I'm defective. Grace tells me I'm valuable. Shame's greatest weapon is the fear of judgment. Grace's even greater weapon is the relief of unconditional love. Shame says that because I'm flawed, I'm unacceptable. Grace says even though I am flawed, I'm absolutely priceless. Shame believes the opinion of other people is all that matters. Grace believes the opinion of God is all that matters. Shame keeps us stuck. Grace sets us free. Shame makes us hide. Grace makes us shine. Shame is the language of the hacker. Grace is the language of Jesus, who is the redeemer of your past. I want you to see a few things. I want you to see a few things that the God of unfailing love says about your, your past. Psalm 103, one of my favorite verses, says this, as far as the east is from the west, as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. Now, hopefully this will make a little bit of sense to you. This is kind of one of those aha moments for me. But let, let's just start here in, uh, in Texas. That's a good starting point, right? We'll start in Texas and we'll head this direction. We'll go up to Oklahoma. What direction are we going? Heading north. Now we're up in Montana. What direction are we going? Heading north, heading up to Canada, what direction are we going? Hit the Arctic Circle, what direction are we going? All right, let's come over here, now we're going this direction. We're down into Siberia, what direction are we going? Yeah, south, now we're going into China, what direction are we going? All the way down to the Ar Antarctica, we're going south, all right? Now let's start in Texas again. And let's go, let's, let's go, let's go to Kentucky, where a lot of good people are from. Uh, what direction are we going? All right, we're going from Kentucky over to North Carolina to meet my family for a vacation. What direction are we going? We're going east. Okay, we crossed the Atlantic Ocean. We're all the way over here into Europe. What direction are we going? Yeah, we're now we're all the way back over to, uh, let's see, uh, Kazakhstan. How's that? <laughs> Is that how you say it? We're over there. Now, what direction are we going? Okay, now we're all the way over to China again. What direction are we going? Now we're going to Japan. What direction are we going? Now we cross the Pacific Ocean again. Now we're all the way over here to Oregon. Which direction are we going? We just keep going east. Here's what I think is cool about it. North and south meet. East and west never do. As far as the east is from the west, not the north is from the south, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. Let me show you a few more. Isaiah 43, 25, God says, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for, for my sake and remembers your sins no more. Again, God in Isaiah 44, I have swept away your sins like the morning mist. I have scattered your offenses like the clouds. Oh, return to me, for I have paid the price to set you free. Micah 7, I love what it says. Once again, you will have compassion on us. You will trample our sins under your feet, and you will throw them, hurl them into the depths of the ocean. And you need to know God's got a great arm. God says this in Hebrews 10, 17, I'll forever wipe the slate clean other sins. Romans 8, 1, so now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Colossians 1, for he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, and the new is here. And that's just a tiny sampling of what God says about your past. Know that truth grasp that truth. Live no lies. You are not what you have done. I, I know we have a lot of football fans here, mostly cowboy fans, I'm sure. I have been a lifelong, long-suffering Bengals fan. 
until recently, we've been really, really bad. Also follow the Packers. I've been a big Packers fan for a while. And Packer Nation uh, said goodbye this spring to former MVP quarterback uh, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, he was traded to the New York Jets this spring, and I'm guessing his transition might be a little tough for him because Rodgers, been a, he's been a Green Bay Packer his entire NFL career. He knew how to drive the Lambeau field, like blindfolded. He knew the shortcuts to get there, the back way to get there, the traffic patterns of the city of Green Bay. He knew the best places to eat in town, knew the inner workings of the Packers organization. But an offer was extended, and a transaction was made. And in that moment, he was no longer a Green Bay Packer. He is now a New York Jet. And I'm guessing he might have a difficult time navigating around New York City he might not understand all the inside stuff of being a Jet. He'll still wear green, but it's a different shade of green. And the familiar yellow football pants, they're gone. It's going to take some time to adjust to new teammates and a new playbook and a new coach. But the fact is, once the transaction was made, he was no longer a Green Bay Packer. He is now a New York Jet. And when the Jets play the Packers in the Super Bowl, I guarantee you... <laughs> that the Jets coach will not put his arm around Aaron's shoulder and say, listen, I know you feel a lot more comfortable with those guys because you've been with them a lot for many years. So, you know, why don't you just play for us the first half? Then you can switch jerseys and you can play for them the second half. It won't work that way because a transaction took place and when that happened, his identity as a player completely and totally changed the instant he accepted the offer. Right now, he's in the process of changing his mindset to match the reality of who he now is. And I'm just guessing there's probably days he's going to pull out of his driveway, his cars automatically want to, go, want to go back to that old locker room in Green Bay. And you and I know what that feels like, don't we? Because most of us can go back to our past. We can go back to our old sinful patterns and habits. I mean, we've been there so many times we could do it blindfolded, Right? And when that happens, God is saying, but that's not who you are anymore. Before God even says, that's not what you're supposed to do, he says, that, that's just not who you are anymore. You see, a transaction happened between God the Father and you. An offer of grace was extended, and when you accepted that offer in that instant, you were rescued by the Son of God out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light, and your identity changed. You are now a child of God. You got a new, new coach, a new playbook, a new set of teammates. A transaction was made, and your old contract was bought out, ripped up, and nailed to a bloodstained cross. It's a new day. It's a new you. The past is simply not who you are anymore. And I hear God constantly coaching me. Saying, come on, bro, you got to renew your mind to that truth day after day after day, one day at a time. You see, the reality is, as you renew your mind to the truth of who you are in God's eyes, you start to change. If you don't do that, you will still believe you're that same old guy, that same old girl. And if you believe you're that same old guy, that same old girl, guess what? You'll start to behave like that same old guy, that same old girl. Now, let me tell you about my buddy Ray. I got to baptize Ray years back, and he's a tough guy. I've uh, been in a lot of trouble, had a lot of addictions, spent some time in prison, um, alcoholic. Uh, but his life began to change and gave his life to Christ. I got to baptize him. It was, it was a cool moment. About three months later, he caught me in the lobby of church one morning and said, hey, man, you got a second thought? I said, sure. He goes, ah, I need to tell somebody. Uh, I relapsed last night. 
I said, oh, man, I'm sorry. So, hey, listen, you know, sometimes it's three steps forward, two steps back, but you're one step ahead of where you were, right? He goes, yeah, I know. So, but, man, girlfriend broke up with me. I didn't know what to do, so I just did what I always did. I just went, went to the old bar I used to go to, and I just got plastered, man. I was sitting on the edge of the bed, and I just said to myself, come on, Ray, that's not who you are anymore. And I told him, man, I love how God reminded you of that truth, of who you now are, because knowing that is going to be key in your recovery. You see, the deal is, man, you've been walking a certain way for a lot of years. You've had the same habits, the same thought patterns, the same way of reacting to problems for so many years. You've had the same fallback plan. You just need to learn a new way of thinking. You see, when we come to Christ and accept his forgiveness, and he wipes our sins away, there's still not like a delete button in our head. We're still going to have a tendency to wrestle with all that old stuff until we start changing the way we think. And I told him, as we start renewing our mind, God starts to transform us into people whose lifestyle begins to progressively match up with our new identity. And instead of being all locked up in the prison of your past, instead of being controlled by your old habits, your old addictions, your old grudges, the old bitterness, the old victim mentality, the old you... You allow the truth of God's unfailing love to eventually set you free. And again, he doesn't just make you a little better. He makes you brand new. That's what's happening with my friend Alex. I got to talk with Alex extens extensively a few weeks back at a, at a party. And he's just the coolest guy. And he said, he said that we could use his story today. So let's just take a look at Alex's story. My name is Alex Deaconson, and this is my story. Now, my life growing up was, you know, in a Christian household. And from a pretty early age on, I was one who tested the boundaries. Uh, I was definitely the black sheep of my brothers. And I was definitely the one that wanted to try things first. I really wanted to see what I could get away with. And I was very curious, um, and I uh, would get into trouble. When I was in second grade, my uh, dad and my mom got me and my brothers together and let us know that they were getting a divorce. And from that point on, that opened up an avenue for me of, I don't wanna say freedom, but in a way, well, maybe unsupervised time. And as I'm getting now into my teen years, um, you know, I'm starting to look for acceptance in this world. And there is this association of being bad means being popular. And man, I went right into that avenue. Then uh, a pretty pivotal moment happened in my life when I was 18 years old. And I um, was drinking and driving and I was in someone else's car. And we get to his house and he jumps out and we go inside and he's like, you know, I don't even know why I wanted to leave. So he grabs some drugs, he grabs an open bottle of alcohol, jumps back in the car and we head back to the party. Well, I lose control of the vehicle going around uh, a, a turn going uh, 50 miles an hour and end up wrapping it around a telephone pole. And um, I was arrested and I get a letter later in the mail saying that I'm being charged with a Class B felony. Vehicular assault in the violent degree. Strike one, jail time, maximum penalty 10 years. Um, I get, you know, convicted. I pled guilty. The state of Washington saw fit to charge me with 
seven different charges. I was facing a lot of time at 18 years old, so I had to plea out. And instead of going to a four-year university, I went to jail as a felon at 18 years old. And, you know, that rattled me to my core and just shook me out of that life that I was in. I go to jail, I get out of jail, I'm, I'm on the up and up, and, you know, I get a job uh, as a fraud analyst, and I um, get in with a rough crowd again. And I, you know, um, fell back into looking for validation and acceptance through people and through status. And uh, I get let go, and they, they clipped me because I'm sick every Monday from withdrawals, and I'm calling in all the time, and I am putting people on hold so I can go down to the parking garage and, you know, do my pills so I don't get sick, and I, I'm just right back in it. And I um, end up moving out of the house that I was in because I can't pay rent anymore, and uh, my car gets stolen uh, with all my stuff in it. Close to roaming the streets, not quite. Uh, 23 years old, uh, and, and just, man, uh, I'm, I'm in it. I'm in the thick of it. And my parents had known about the, the painkiller addiction, and I'm at that stage where everyone is looking at me funny, and no one trusts me, and, you know, they're heartbroken every time they see you, and you're lying just to get through the conversation. My parents had essentially said, look, we love you, but you can't be here in this house anymore unless... It is when you are ready to go get help. Um, so I remember going to my house that day, having my friend drop me off and saying, man, I'm done. I'm, I'm out, I'm tired, I'm weary, I'm broken. I, I'm done with this life. And I um, remember feeling hope. When I've first come out of it, and even up until pretty recently, I would deal with imposter syndrome. You know, I would hear my own voice of, man, they're going to find you out. You're not good enough. You don't know what you're doing. You're, you know, going to get caught up again. You, you're just a felon. You've done theft. You're addicted. You, you know, you're dependent on alcohol. You're a liar. I hear all of these things that were a part of who I was. And it's not who I am now because my identity isn't of this world it's through the Lord. My identity is through Christ, and that is what I have to remember. It is constant to be reminded that God is in control. I am not what I was. I am not the bad things that I've done. I am not the bad things that I've said, but I am made anew in the image of Christ. There is freedom from the bondage that is this life, that is the lies of this world. And it is constant work. It's remembering. And not every day is amazing. But, you know, I take solace in the fact that, that God is the Redeemer. He redeems the broken, and, and He calls the weary, burdened, and brokenhearted to Him. Probably would have made different choices in retrospect, but man, God has used it for His glory to shape who I am today and uh, it's made me the person I am today, and I'm very thankful for that. My name is Alex, and I believe that Jesus is the Christ and that he saved my life. You see, when we get honest with ourselves and 
we get honest with somebody else, and especially we get honest with God. And we just humbly come to him and you go, my life is a mess. I got so many mistakes, so many failures, so much sin, so many scribbles. I just want to give this to you. Here's my past. God smiles and takes it. Let's start over. My mercies are new every day. See, through Jesus Christ, we can all discover who we are. Talking about Jesus, one of his best friends, John, wrote this. He said, but to all who believed him, to all who accepted him, he gave them the right to become the children of God. You see the little mathematical equation in that verse? It's believe plus accept equals become. God says that all you need to do to reclaim your identity is to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he is the the way, the truth, and the life as he said he was, to believe that he was born and lived a sinless life and died on a cross and rose from the grave, and he's coming back again, to believe that Jesus Christ died as a substitution for your sin, that he took the rap for you. He took the punishment for anything. I'm talking anything you've ever done to believe that and to accept that free gift of grace. It's a free gift into your life. Say, Jesus Christ, I, I accept your grace. I need your grace. I need and accept your unfailing love. I accept the fact that you want to wash away my sin, that you want to forgive me for all my screw-ups and all my moral failure. I want and I need that grace applied to my life. So come into my life and start working on me from the inside out. I just surrender to your leadership and to your wisdom and to your love. I want to find my identity, not in how I feel. I want to find my identity, not in what people say about me, not in what I do and how well I do it, and certainly not in what I've done. I want to live in the reality of who I am as a treasured child of the Most High God. And I give you permission to leave my life. Believe plus accept equals become. I want to give you a chance to do that right now to all of our campuses, those of you online as well. Let's just bow our heads together for a moment. And maybe you can just kind of pray a prayer like that. There's no, there's no formula. There's no ritualistic type of thing you have to say. There's no right words. It's just coming to God with an open, honest heart. Saying, God, I'm a mess. I need help. Like Alex said, I'm tired. I'm broken. I just want to come to you and let you put me back together again and not just make me a little better, but make me brand new. I want my past to be a thing of the past. And I know there's certain things I'll never forget, but they don't define me anymore. Whatever you need to say to God that way, just talk to him right now. We're going to have some folks down front of all of our campuses to pray with you about anything like that going on in your heart today. And I pray you take advantage of that. But Father, I just want to thank you for what you've been teaching us in recent weeks. The way you've been challenging us to live no lies. To stand and walk in the truth of who we are in your eyes. That we are treasured children of the Most High God. And God, we're all made in your image. All mankind is made in your image. But through Jesus Christ, we become your family. We become your children. 
So, Father, it's my prayer today that someone would believe and accept and thus become. And I pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ who makes it all possible. Amen. Thanks for listening today. For more biblical teaching and worship, join us for our church online live weekend services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. For more information about all the digital ministries of Lake Point, visit lakepoint.church/digital.